fans, teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball has all the resources that you need to be a better coach, period. Today's basketball coaches are dedicated, year-round workers who face fierce competition to keep their jobs. And excellent instruction is out there, but finding it is inconvenient, unorganized, and it can be hit or miss. So visit teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball. Sign up for the free trial. You're going to want to go past that free trial. We guarantee it. And be sure to join our good friend Billy Kegler on the Competitive Mindset Podcast where guests share how they differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. Join along on the journey to lifelong learning and improved performance with the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Follow on social media at Competitive Pod. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here, as always, on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, a college coach, a high school coach, a CYO coach, a AAU coach, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest. You know, and, and Chris, first of all, it's great to see you. It's always great to see you. And I know, <laughs> uh, but uh, we, this, this guest today, uh, we've had a lot of coaches on. This is episode 95. Again, congratulations, 95 episodes. That's an accomplishment. But I don't know if we've had a coach that has, has a more varied experience across all levels than our guest today. But right now, he is the head coach at NYU, Dagan Nelson. Welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Guys, you're awesome. I really appreciate you having me on and what you're doing for the game uh, and for young men and, and people across the world who love the game of basketball is awesome. So thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Now, Brian, NYU stands for New York University. Did that you know that? <laughs> I, I did. Thank you very much. Thank you. I did know that. One thing about New York University, Brian, I'll tell you, you and I are so stupid, we wouldn't even be allowed to walk on campus. Okay? <laughs> I can tell you that much. <laughs> well, I, uh, I know that's true for me, but i tell you, uh, for, for our listeners and Coach, uh, if you have ever watched Jeopardy with one Chris de Blasio, and a category of maybe say, I don't know, Russian czars comes up. I can't even spell czars. And to have him run the table all five of those questions to get right. So I, I don't want to hear that you couldn't step foot on that. You could teach classes at NYU. Anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> it's all about getting in. <laughs> all right, Coach, why don't you take us uh, through your resume in basketball and how you got to where you are today as the head coach there at NYU? I, uh, so I'm a native New Yorker. I grew up in Rockville Center uh, on Long Island and played at Southside High School, uh, public high school on Long Island, and then uh, went and graduated from Ramapo College in northern New Jersey, which you're familiar with. I know you had Coach McBreen on, who's a wonderful person and coach. Uh, and then I graduated in 96 and then got right into my coaching journey. Uh, actually volunteered um, and started off in high school the school called Kellenberg Memorial High School as a JV assistant coach, uh, then got into college uh, and went to all different levels, uh, as you alluded to. So I was a head high school coach in Melbourne, Florida, at Melbourne Central Catholic High School, uh, which was an awesome experience. I'm 23 years old, coaching 17 and 18 year olds, uh, trying to figure it out and, and trying to figure out your philosophy and style and how you want to do it. Uh, and then really had a desire to get into college basketball uh, and volunteered for a year uh, at Pace University. 
which is a really good Division II program in the Northeast 10 Conference. Uh, worked with a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Harder, uh, and then got an opportunity to be a full-time assistant coach at New York University, and this is going back in the year 2000. Um, and that opportunity presented itself because of relationships. Uh, so we're in a relationship business, uh, and without relationships, uh, you really don't get very far in life uh, that have significant value. Uh, stayed at NYU for two years, worked with a gentleman named Joe Neshi. Uh, Joe is uh, retired, and, and now I'm the head coach, and I've taken over for him. Um, stayed at NYU uh, for a couple of years, and then had a, a great opportunity to get into Division I basketball at Eastern Kentucky University. Uh, Travis Ford hired me uh, based on a recommendation uh, from a good friend, John Brannon, who's now the head coach at Cincinnati, and um, stayed there for a couple of years and then had an opportunity to get back to the Northeast at Stony Brook with Nick McCarchick. Uh, got Nick at the end of his career. Nick has uh, been in the business as a lifer. It's pretty ironic. We now have his grandson in our program who transferred to us from American uh, and then left and became a prep school coach. Uh, didn't really have a choice at Stony Brook. Uh, coach was kind of at the end of his tenure there uh, and then became a high school coach and then actually left the business uh, for two years, went into corporate sales uh, and realized that uh, I liked it, certainly didn't love it, wasn't my calling, wasn't my passion, and then got this opportunity to lead NYU uh, back in 2018. So uh, pretty, pretty unique journey, not the most, uh, not, not the most normal in this business. Uh, I bounced around, uh, but I don't think anybody's journey is right. That's what makes them special. So, um, but yeah. Coach, so we, we've had tons of coaches on who have had journeys like this, different levels. And I don't know why just reading through your bio and having you go through it. I want to talk about the, literally, literally a Long Island kid, Mm-hmm. And the different places you've been, not the universities, the places, mm-hmm. Melbourne, Florida, Richmond, Kentucky, New Paltz, New York, mm-hmm. uh, Long Island at Stony Brook. I mean, these are all vastly different places in America. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk about adjusting to life when you go to, a, when you move to a new player, you were in High Point, North Carolina. I mean, yeah. again, I've been to High Point, North Carolina. I've been to Rockville Center, Long Island. Except for the fact they're both in America, they have nothing in common. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head. And I, I will say that all of these experiences and living in different cities and different parts of the country, uh, they've been great learning experiences. So I think you take something from every place that you've been. Um, but you're certainly right. New Paltz, New York is a lot different than High Point, North Carolina. Um, and High Point, North Carolina is certainly a lot different than Melbourne, Florida. Um, But, you know, when you're at different stages of your career and you're at different stages professionally and personally, you take a little bit from each place. Uh, And I think it's made me better overall in terms of having a complete broad understanding of maybe talking to a family now as we recruit who's down in Florida or talking to a family who's in North Carolina. Uh, It allowed me to certainly, I think, really build a strong network, particularly for what we're doing now and rebuilding this program. Um, So I, I look at it as a real, real positive uh, in the sense that you're able to build relationships all over the country. Well, that theme of relationships as you were going through your stops, that was just screaming at me. And so I'm, the, my question is going to be about relationships is not about 
the strategies that you employ or the notes that you write or the phone calls or the text or anything like that. Um, because I'm sure you do a lot of those things and I know I can hear it in your voice and just talking to you for a few minutes that that's not a strategy. It's just who you are. Uh, my question is how do you retain being a competitor in college basketball and high school basketball competing against these guys, but still being able to stay in touch. And then when jobs come open and say, Oh, we need coach Nelson right now. How does that work? Well, you know, it's funny that it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I think this is my personal opinion, and you guys may disagree with this. I think when you actually have to apply for a job, you're probably not getting that job. Unless someone is picking up the phone and contacting you or a friend of a friend or, or whatever is getting in touch with you and saying, hey, would you have an interest in this? Is this something that appeals to you and your family at this stage of your life, this location? Uh, unless that's happening, it's going to be very, very difficult. You know, we're in the most, I think, arguably the most competitive industry in the world. Uh, and I think if you compare it to Wall Street and the stock market and in and, and that world, it's just as competitive. But I, I think that you have to work really hard to keep those relationships, right? You have to work really, really hard as time goes on uh, and we drift apart from each other physically. You have to make sure that you don't drift apart from each other and stay connected. So I think that's our job. I will say the one good thing about this whole pandemic, and for us, we don't have a season. We can certainly get into that and how we've handled that and what we've done, but we don't have a basketball season this year. So it's enabled me a lot of time to watch film, maybe reconnect with some folks that I normally wouldn't connect with in a crazy season as we all go through. So that's been a real positive of it. Oh, my mic was off. Ah, I haven't done that in a while. Darn. It only took 95 episodes for it to happen again. But no, oh, man. That happens all the time teaching class. My kids will be like, your mic's off. <laughs> um, coach, you talked about you jumped right into coaching. And at 23 years old, you're a head coach at Melbourne High School or high school in Melbourne, Florida. Uh, talk about – Dagan Nelson then and Dagan Nelson today. And as a head coach, the differences like, you know, we, Brian always talks about it. Brian was a head coach right out of being a GA for yeah. a girls high school basketball team. And he thought he knew it all. And then he realized he didn't know anything. Hmm. <laughs> I, I think that once you think you have something figured out, uh, that's a problem, right? I think we always have to be learning and growing, you know, whether we're 23 or whether we're 73, I think we always have to be learning and growing. And I think there are a lot of 73 year olds that act like they're 50 and a lot of 50 year olds that act like they're 80. So, but I, I think how you have to do it is you have to have a growth mindset and you have to really work hard at developing your craft. And that's one thing that's really helped me in terms of the pandemic now in trying to get better. But I think to answer your question specifically, I think one area that we've really, that I've really tried to grow is really trying to have more patience. I think we all want things overnight and we all want immediate gratification. We live in an instant gratification world where if you can't click a button or send an instant message that it's taking too long. And that's the society that we live in. So having patience, and I think as you get a little bit older and you progress and, and you learn more about yourself in any industry, uh, I think that's something that comes. Uh, obviously, we all want to win. Uh, we're all very competitive. We wouldn't be in this business. But at the same time, I think you do have to have patience and you do have to, have to let the process uh, play out. And you really have to really invest in that process of development every day and getting better. You know, I hope that answers. I hope that answers your question. It yeah. does, yeah. <laughs> it does. And Chris de Blasio, I know that's right up my alley, and uh, I love to hear about growth mindset. And that's one of those things I'm talking to my coaches about all the time, and then hoping 
that it is filtering down to our student athletes at Ridgeview. But uh, speaking of patience, uh, the the greatest game that you sent in a while back uh, <laughs> might, might have um, – called for a little bit of patience uh and looking at some of the notes that you sent in so coach uh, we'd love for you to take us into the arena for your greatest team and tell us all about this one yeah well first of all you said ridgeview high school right that's right i did okay so i was with upward stars as well i was gonna mention that at the end of the show i just texted kurt wheeler but go ahead yeah yeah, yeah. so that's how you know kenny burr because we got you through kenny burr curtis wheeler okay i got it I was with those guys for a couple of years and Kenny and Curtis are good friends, but all right. So let me take you back. So this is, this is crazy. This is a great game, but a crazy game. <laughs> I've never been a part of anything like this. So I'm in my first year as an assistant at Eastern Kentucky, working with Travis Ford, John Brennan's on the staff, Steve Middleton, myself, we're playing Tennessee state at home. Uh, there's maybe about six and a half, seven minutes left in the game. A guy in the stands was two kids and an adult they take two Nerf basketballs that were being given out as promotional items that night. They take them and throw them onto the court. So one of the kids on Tennessee state, one of the kids on our team takes them and throws them back into the stands. The refs eject them both. Ejected both of the guys on the spot. Then a kid from Tennessee state comes onto the floor. He throws a ball and then he picked up something else and threw it into the stands. He got ejected. Bottom line is we finished the game four on three. If you look in the NCAA history, I think it's the only college basketball game, at least it was back then, where we finished four on three. We won the game. And here's the better part of the story. Our interim AD was Jack Langle. Uh, Jack Langle. I, Jack, I know who Jack Langle is. We are Marshall. Yes. Jack Coach Langle's West Virginia. Our, our I'm at Marshall. AD, yeah, our interim AD So let me go back to the game for a second. So also a scuffle breaks out on the floor. Okay. Nobody throws any punches. Nobody throws any punches at all, but somebody gets ejected. Okay. It was, it was insane. So long and short of it, after the game, Jack asked for the video. He said, let's go into coach Ford's office and let's watch the video to see if any punches were thrown. Okay, great. So we go into the office. He's calling me. My first name is Dagan. As you know, he's calling me Derek. So Travis says, they can go get the film. <laughs> hey, Derek, Derek, you got that film? Derek, where's the film? This is nothing but a shoving match. This is nothing but a shoving match. I don't see any punches thrown. This is ridiculous. So, and then he goes, rewind it, Derek. And I said, uh, Mr. Langle, my name's not Derek. So anyway, it was absolutely hysterical. <laughs> Jack Langle was our interim AD. We finished the game four on three. And guys were throwing Nerf basketballs into the stands. I had never been a part of anything like that. I, there's so many questions. When the refs determine it's four on three, wait, did you have the four or the three? No, we had the four. So we finished, the, we played the last five and a half or six minutes, four on three. That's all, that's all we had left in the game because guys had fouled out on both ends. Right. And that's all we had left. So what kind of game plan did you have? What did you, or like, or what did Tennessee state with three guys? Like, yeah. So Tennessee state, it started out five on four. Then the guys fouled out and finished up four on three. So they were only playing one man down for the first couple of minutes. And then I think like the four or three minute mark, they were playing two guys down and we were only playing with four. So uh, the strategy was let's throw it inside because we had a huge height advantage inside. We had a seven footer and we threw it inside and they had nowhere to match up. Uh, and, and we had been leading by about eight or 10. So it was almost, it was almost a double figure game at that point. 
but there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of crazy strategies. Not like we're saying, hey, let's go run some flares and pin downs and <laughs> let's make sure we get a lot of DHOs here. Like there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of stuff. It was really take care of the basketball, throw it inside, play inside out and make sure you get on the offensive glass. So, you know, other than that, it, it wasn't that sophisticated, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> and I'm just fascinated to be able to keep your cool. I mean, I know y'all are all professionals, right? But all this going on and now it's just it all shakes out and you got four guys, three guys. It's like and then to come up with that kind of strategy, that's just it's fascinating to be able to just in that just sounds like pandemonium uh, type type situation. Well, it, it was pandemonium. Uh, that's a very good word to describe it. And I don't think I'll ever be a part of another game like that. That's the most unique game. And that's why that's why I, I referenced it and I wanted to talk about it. Um, because I don't even know in college basketball, we go into the archives right now and we look today as we're having this conversation. I don't know if another game's finished four on three. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not even sure where to even look that up. We always like to try to Google things as we're going, and I'm I'm, I'm looking the game up on YouTube. I can't find it on YouTube. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's like you got to go, go back to you got to go back to o two o three. Wow! Yeah, wow! Uh, so I'm gonna when we hang up, I'm gonna go into the archives and see because I, I got to find this out if this is the only game that's finished with seven people on a basketball court. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like like it's a drill, I, you know. You back in the the Coach Glimp days, you know. Well, you're you're familiar with Coach Glimp, I'm sure, being in South Carolina for a couple of years. But we used to do the the four on three, and, and it was a great rotational uh, defensive drill, and it even yep. turned into a good offensive drill. Uh, but uh, here here y'all are living it in, in real life <laughs> in Division One college <laughs> basketball. It's wild. So yeah. you, after the game, you go back. Coach Langle wants to look at the tape. He calls you, Derek. Coach Langle leaves, and the coaches are just sitting there. You, Coach Ford, Coach Brennan, who I've had the pleasure to meet a couple times and know a little bit. What do you – do you guys just say, let's go to the bar and get a drink? Like, what? Like, how do you even handle that? Like, what – We all I, – I think – well, I think most importantly, Travis was relieved, obviously, <laughs> that, we won, that we won the game, as we all were. Um, but we all turned and looked at each other and said, holy crap, did that really just happen? <laughs> like – what the heck is going on? That couldn't have really just happened. We did not just finish a college basketball game four on three. Like that, no way. Like what? Really? And we're not at the rec center right now. <laughs> so that was really the reaction. And then, you know, when we got, got prepared, cause I think we had a, we had a quick turnaround uh, in the OVC. It was usually Thursday, Saturday, I want to say. So we had a quick turnaround uh, to try to start getting ready for our next opponent. And I, I'm curious now about the, Chris asked about the coaches. How about the kids? What was their reaction in the locker room? You go in the locker like what it's like what what do you say? How does this go down? Like I just from a kid perspective. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good question. I, I think from the kids' perspective, they felt bad. Uh, some of the guys who were ejected, obviously, there were some repercussions for that, right? So they felt bad about what transpired. Their behavior could have been and should have been different. So that was a teachable moment, uh, which we did. Uh, teach them. And at the same time, they were thankful we won. And they almost felt like apologetic that it came to that. And they put themselves and their teammates in that situation to have to finish a game that way. So I think there was relief. I think there was also a sense of, hey, uh, we know we screwed up here. We made some mistakes. Um, and, and I think those were the biggest, biggest emotions that I took away from it. But uh, certainly interesting, you know, to say the least. But 
I didn't know uh, Jack Langle very well. And when he started calling me Derek, I was just, I was like, wow, this guy really has no idea who I am. No clue. Uh, no, no clue who I am. And, and that's, that's okay. But um, it was just funny because his, his words, where I remember it very vividly to this day, he said, you know, this is nothing but a shoving match. There's no punches being thrown here <laughs> because there was a little scuffle on the court, but there really weren't any punches thrown and, and guys were ejected, I think, uh, wrongfully so. And he's old school too. So he wanted, like, he wanted to see like punches. Yeah. And he's an old school football coach to him. That's nothing, but yeah. <laughs> exactly. To him, that's absolutely nothing. So. We, we had, we had an AD in South Carolina who I, I did video for the basketball team and, and our head video coordinator over all sports was a guy named Joe. And anyone that did video, anyone that had anything to do with video to our old AD, Mike McGee was Joe. It didn't yeah. matter if you weren't Joe. <laughs> Your name was Joe. Anyone yeah. who put in a videotape was Joe. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hysterical. That's I'm, hysterical. I'm going to tell on myself here, guys. I'm, I love sports. I'm obviously a, a high school athletic director. I've never seen We Are Marshall. Like, what is wrong with me that really? I've never seen? Are Marshall. So I, you talk about uh, Coach Lingle being an old school guy. Like I, I mean, I get it, but also I, I, I don't really get it. So for me, and maybe some of our other listeners that don't know uh, more about Jack Lingle, can you can you fill me in on that? Either one of you, can you help me out? <laughs> well, there? I can I can give you a little bit. Uh, you know, just that. You know, it, well, you have to see the movie because Matthew McConaughey plays him. Uh, yes, and does a tremendous tremendous job in really replicating just everything about him. Um, but he's a very interesting guy. He, he, when we had him, he was really at the, the tail end of his career. And he basically came in, uh, I would say, as a fixer at our place, really just to, to kind of fix and, and really be a conduit and a connector to the next administration. Uh, but he was an interesting guy. And I learned more about him uh, in the movie. But having seen him uh, firsthand, Matthew McConaughey, man, he, he did a phenomenal, phenomenal <laughs> job playing him. Phenomenal job. So, Brian, he was the coach that took over the Marshall program after the plane crash. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. And he it. took over a program that had three scholarship athletes, the only three kids that didn't go on the trip, and then had to, you know, obviously rebuild the program after the horrible accident. But, Brian, the trivia question comes from Jack Lengel. Jack Lengel came to Marshall from Wooster College in Wooster, Ohio. Okay. Okay. What former Clemson coach – Basketball coach went to Wooster College in Wooster, Ohio. You gotta go, Larry Shiat. Larry Shiat. Well, yeah. Dagan Nelson, that's like the first one I've gotten right in 40 something. <laughs> so. Nice job. Nice yeah. job. <laughs> nice job. Coach Shiat's a go. wonderful person. Yeah, we worked with uh, Jeremy, his, his oldest son, who worked with him at Wyoming and stuff. And yeah, the Shiats are, are great people. We never have a bad word to say about the Shiats. No question. No question. <laughs> but coach, we'd like to end here on a fun question. So you've been coaching a long time. Uh, I don't even know if you still talk to any of those kids that played for you down in Melbourne, Florida. I do. Uh, and if I talk to some kids that played for you at NYU now, what's the one thing they would say coach Nelson says over and over again, what's the really, one phrase or term or what? That's a really, really good question. Um, <laughs> that's a really good question. I think the one phrase that I say over and over again, and I tell them this all the time is nobody cares more about you than you and getting them to understand that they have to take ownership uh, of themselves, of their lives, where they want to go. We can put them in position and do a lot for them and help them 
But at the end of the day, nobody cares more about them than them. My dad always told me that when I was growing up, you have to be your best advocate and you got to take care of yourself. And I think probably that's one of the things I say the most to our kids. Um, and it's interesting. I would love to, if you guys are ever in New York, you're, you're welcome to come to a game. Uh, we're building a brand new facility, which will be ready in the fall of 22. With the university spending a, a lot of money, a billion dollars to build this thing. And um, if you're ever in New York, you're welcome to come anytime. Uh, and then the other thing I say a lot, <laughs> I'm going off on a tangent, but uh, as we all do as coaches, control your controllables. And that couldn't be more true than what we're going through right now uh, with the pandemic. So mm -hmm. I, I will say this, I, I think as bad as this has been, we don't have a season. We have not worked with our players in almost a year on the floor, which is crazy. You had Chuck and McBreen on, the NJAC is about to start playing. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of those are three conferences around the country, but we're in such a unique league geographically. We fly everywhere. We're a mini Ivy League. Um, that the geography just didn't work for us this year. Uh, university presence, we're, we're not going to sign off on that. Um, but the thing I, I want to leave you guys with about NYU, I want to give you three fun facts. We had 100,000 applications. We're the most applied to university in the country. 100,000 applications. The median SAT score is up above 1420. And we have every country in the world represented and we don't have athletic scholarships. So just think about that for a second. And we also don't have our own facility right now. So we're building a brand new one, which will be ready in the fall of 2022, uh, which we hope to play the 22-23 season in. Uh, but it's a very, very unique place. Um, Angelina Jolet, Lady Gaga, Spike Lee, all alums, Martin Scorsese. I mean, the list goes on and on. So it's a very, very unique place to go to school. Um, and an incredibly diverse place to go to school and arguably the greatest city in the world. So. Uh, and we used to be back in the day, just throw a quick history piece out there. You know, we used to be division one uh, back in the fifties and forties and fifties and Dolph Shays and uh, some tremendous, tremendous guys who played in the program. I uh, used to play at the garden all the time. And, and uh, it, it's a very, very unique and cool place to coach. Uh, but it's, you know, it's got challenges just like everywhere else. It's I think that uniqueness you talk about, I guess so many applicants because of the, the, the film and the acting school and all that, right? Is that why there's so many applicants? Because it's so well known for that? Well, the Tisch School of the Arts is tremendous. Our business school is top five in the world. Um, I mean, our business school is, they're, they're turning kids away with 1500s and 40s with wow. five AP classes. So it's the competitive, it's as competitive as it gets. It's top of the food chain. Uh, I mean, we're as competitive as Yale and Harvard and Princeton and Penn and all those places. So but the draw is New York too, right? So and where you're located down there in the village is just an amazing, amazing place. And yeah, yeah, and it, it's incredible. But where they've really grown is the the international brand. So I mean, when you think about every country in the world re being represented on your campus, and you're a kid from Nebraska, and you're sitting in class with someone from Shanghai, or you're sitting in class with someone from Abu Dhabi, or someone from France or Spain, like it is truly you are going to grow you don't have a choice. You're going to grow as a human being. And, you know, the analogy we always use when we talk to families is, you know, it can be as big or as small as you want it to be. But at the same time, if it's an onion, you can always peel back that next layer of the onion and, and you can continue to grow. So it's a really cool place. I don't think there's any place like it. And the village adds a lot to it, obviously. Well, if, if I heard you right, coach, there's an invitation for the greatest games podcast crew to come to New York sometime. And, uh, I'm going to take you up on that. I, it, I, I'm, I'm, this is the first time 
oh man, it's been, I don't know how long it's been since I've been on an airplane, but for about every year I was going to New York about every year, every other year. So it's been a long time. So, um, but, uh, I, I would certainly love to come up there and see everything that y'all have going on. And it sounds like a special place and we just can't thank you enough for giving your time and, uh, your energy and your efforts to come on the show. This has been a lot of fun. No, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you having me. And if you ever just want to talk hoops, I would love to talk hoops off the air. If you want to talk basketball, like I'm, I'm, uh, this has been hard, you know, not having a season and doing zooms and not on the floor with your team. Um, it's been very, very difficult for me personally, just trying to manage it on the day to day, but uh, I'm always looking to talk basketball. So if you guys ever want to talk off the air, let's talk hoops and let's talk history of the game or whatever topic, but I'm all for it. So <laughs> We can, we can do that too for sure but for now we'll go ahead and put a, a button on this episode so for my co-host Chris de Blasio I'm Brian Rosefield and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games <laughs>